Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 211. It was almost a perfect week for Portuguese clubs in Europe. Uh, two of them have advanced to the round of 16. The other one, a terrific first leg match, as you know by now, against Arsenal. And the only disappointment was, and it was by the narrowest of margins, was, of course, Braga being eliminated. I'll talk about that in a minute. A uh, quick preview on match day 23 this weekend. Uh, second division report, women's football report. We had a big, big result this past weekend in women's football. One of the big clubs lost. Uh, which generally doesn't happen. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And then, of course, I'll do my big four report. Uh, Atletico dos Arcos, my club in Portugal in the fifth tier. Big win last week. Continue to stay in first place, but they continue to be threatened by other teams, so it's not over yet. And then I'll finish it up with the mailbag. Got two very good questions this week uh, that I'd like to uh, share with you. Um, before I get to my feature that I usually start about, what was going on in Portugal a year ago. Just a quick, quick podcast update. Um, I always say too late in the uh, podcast. Let me say it in the beginning. Uh, my the, G, the email account, psoccercom at gmail.com, psoccercom at gmail.com. Uh, don't agree with anything I say. Um, agree with anything I say. Uh, didn't like something I say. You have a comment about something going on in the world of Portuguese football that you want to let the world uh, now know about. Uh, feel free to hit me up and I will say it in the mailbag uh, as well. And also going to say very quickly before I get going, I found out last week, I heard about this first uh, last weekend, and that was that uh, people who follow this podcast on iTunes, that some of you did not get, I don't know if it was the notification or you didn't get the uh, downloaded. I, I'm not really sure what happened. I know on my, on my iPad, I noticed that uh, the day I dropped this, it did not appear in my iTunes and I had to wait for the next day before I finally saw it. And interestingly, it said downloaded a day ago, yet a day ago I never saw it. So apparently some of you never received the podcast. Uh, yes, there was an episode 210. I encourage you to check it out. Talked a lot about what was going on in the world of Porto. And uh, hopefully there'll be no problems. And again, if you do notice any problems and there's something you don't like, besides me maybe occasionally uh, saying a name wrong, pronouncing a name wrong, again, feel free to email me and let me know about any problems at psoccercom at gmail.com. But let me get started here. What was going on in Portuguese football? And we're talking, obviously, the last week of February. Um, of course, as we are, and time is flying. I believe there's 29 days this month. I think that's uh, the leap year this year. But last year, here's what was going on. Sporting found out their Europa League opponent, Arsenal. <laughs> Not a bad one after the result this week with Porto. Of course, last year, Sporting eliminated Arsenal. The goal by Pote from midfield is something many of us won't forget, regardless if you follow Sporting or not. But it was right around this time that last year that the draw came out. And I can tell you, a lot of Arsenal fans, like they did with Porto, were very happy to draw a Portuguese club at this stage. But for Arsenal, that meant the end of it uh, last year. Uh, we also saw uh, the talk of uh, Europe because of his great first leg performance in the Champions League against Inter Milan. Diego Costa was getting a lot of attention from the press. 
uh, because of his uh, great performance down there in the uh, San Siro. Uh, and, uh, of course, it's still surprising to see that Costa is still with the uh, football uh, club uh, do uh, Porto. And uh, Draxler, remember him? He was playing for Benfica last year. Didn't really shine as much as Benfica would have liked. I don't think you could say his stint with Benfica was terrific. I think he maybe scored one or two big goals, and that was it. But last year at this time, he discovered he had a very bad ankle injury and that he was done for the season. So experiment Dragler, Draxler excuse me, uh, ended uh, pretty quickly last year with Benfica. But let's talk about the European weekend. It was very close to being one of the better weeks we've had in European football, especially when we talk about this stage of the knockout rounds. Um, you know, obviously we have to start off with Porto. Big, big result at home, 1-0. Now, I always like to say that when you're a Portuguese club, especially when you're playing one of the big clubs in Europe, even in the Premier League, I don't think one goal is enough. But nevertheless, they did get the win. Very late goal by Galeno, making up for his double miss from the first half. Uh, and it's just a great win. It's a great win anytime we beat a team in the Premier League, especially at this stage of the European competitions. And, um, you know, I was watching um, AFTV, uh, used to be called Arsenal Fan TV, and... I think there was one particular thing I saw when they were talking about predictions for this first leg. And I think one person said four to one, another one said three to one. Another one thought that there might be a possibility of a draw because they are always very worried about playing Portuguese teams. And he was apparently the only one that thought that way because the others pretty much had Arsenal scoring two or three goals in the Dragon. And to see these videos where they show these people, you know what I'm talking about, sitting there on their couches or chairs, watching the game and recording their reaction, um, I've always said it. I love it. Doesn't matter who the team is. A lot of people, when they f play Portuguese clubs, especially in the latter stages of these competitions, are not as worried about playing them compared to maybe if they drew someone from Germany, Italy, uh, France, or England. And to see people's disappointment, to know that we pulled it off, is is one of the really things that I love about European football. Now, again, in two weeks' time, Porto. Still got to go to the Emirates uh, where, you know, I, I know coming into this match, I think Arsenal had scored, I think they had like two matches where they scored like five or more goals. Defensively, uh, it was a great job done by Porto's defense. Diego Costa said before the match that they would have to show that they are in fact a great team and uh, he showed them that he's in fact a great goalkeeper. But they got a lot of work to do in two weeks' time and we'll talk about that because it's still two weeks away. I think right now if you're a Porto fan, with all the controversy, going on with what happened um, you know, at the General Assembly with the arrests of the leader of the clocks, one of the administrators being accused, uh, Porto falling seven points behind, the reports that maybe Consistong is not coming back after the season when his contract expires. We know about what is going to be, I think, a very um, heated uh, election campaign between Andres Villas-Boas and Pinto da Costa. Porto fans needed good luck. They needed a something to feel really good about. And the explosion, uh, I saw some videos where the assistant coaches were running around the benches in excitement. A lot of people in Porto up north needed that, and they were able to get it. But a lot of work to, still to do at the Emirates. But you know what? That's in two weeks. Great win for Porto and great win for Portuguese football in terms of the respect level. We saw Benfica 
go to France and record a nil-nil draw to walk away with a 2-1 to one aggregate win. Uh, two PKs in the first leg by Di Maria pretty much sends them to the next round. Uh, we saw Sporting take care of business. Of course, they went into this match against Young Boys up 3-1 to one in the first leg. Drew at home, 1-1. Goya Koresh with the goal. His uh, second one, if I recall, was a penalty kick that uh, didn't happen. Uh, and as a result, it finishes 1-1. But if you're Ruben Amarin, you won. Nobody got hurt. Everybody played a good match. And you advance to the next round. Uh, the biggest disappointment was Braga. Uh, I said it last week that... You know, losing 42 at home, it was tough to come back from that. Now, maybe if they lost 3-2, to two, as we saw from the result where they lost 3-2 to two, uh, today, maybe they would have had a better shot. But going into another person's stadium, their pitch, and trying to score at least two goals is just not the easiest thing to do. But Braga kept it alive for a while. Braga, to their credit, kept it alive. They seem to play a lot better in Europe on the road than they do at home in the Pedreira. But at the end of the day, they really went out there. They put on a good performance. Look, they, they, didn't, they didn't give up. They went out there. They were very strong. I think you have to be very happy. But the late goal, 3-2, to two, they're eliminated on aggregate 6-5. And it's just an incredibly disappointing result because it would have been just such a perfect way to have three teams going into the Europa League round of 16 and then Porto with the first leg win. Uh, when I dropped this episode, the draw would have already taken place in Europe. Obviously, the goal is you hope that you don't play one of the power teams right away. I know Liverpool is, is obviously available in this competition, so we have to be very happy. But listen, we dropped to seventh place. We've had some European disappointments. This week, it's about just being happy with the fact that our three biggest clubs are still alive in uh, Europe. Um, and two of them, especially going into the round of 16, <clears throat> we got to be happy about that, and I think that's the best way to go uh, about this. Um, moving on now with regards to First Division, of course, this weekend, match day 23. Last week, a quick word. We saw Porto beat Estrela Madura at 2-0. We saw Befica, perhaps their best performance of the season, according to Schmidt, beating Vizel at home last place, 6-1. We saw Braga with a 2-1 victory at home against Feiren. So we saw Sporting go up north to Moreirense who's having a fantastic season in sixth place and sporting, recording the 2 nil win. Uh, we saw Chaves beat Boa Vista. And probably the biggest surprise of match day 22 last week, we saw Guimarães go to Algarve to Portimonense and a 1-1 draw. And with that, we've got Benfica and Sporting tied in first with 55 points. But remember, Sporting still has one match to play with Familia Cone. We saw Porto in third place with 48 Braga in fourth with 43 points. And then, of course, we have Vittorio off of the draw, losing two points, fall to fifth place with 41 points. But there's still a great battle there uh, in fourth place between Braga and Guimarães. Uh, Porto with a lot of work to do, but right now it seems to be Benfica and uh, Sporting. Uh, this weekend, of course, we've got football. We have a very interesting thing that doesn't happen a lot. We have... It maybe happens two match days every year. We have basically the big three all playing on one day. And something you also don't really see a lot a lot of times is that you've got Benfica Portimonense and Gil Vicente Porto both playing at 1800 hours Portugal time on Sunday. So they'll be playing opposite each other at the same time. You usually don't see that. Um, and then the late game on Sunday night is going to be Rio Ave against uh, Sporting. But everything that's going on Friday with the Roca. Uh, disappointing result last week 
They'll be taking on Familia Gong, and that will kick off match day 23. And again, if you were to ask me what are the two matches that are of interest to me this weekend, I think it's going to be Gil Vicente Porto. Um, Gil Vicente last week, let me double-check something here. Gil Vicente last week uh, recorded, yes, the good 3-1 win last week at Estoril Praia, who's ever since they've uh, played in the uh, League Cup final have kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Uh, but Gil Vicente off that good win at home against Porto. Porto can't afford any more slip-ups if they want any hope, at the very least, of second uh, place. But obviously, you know, they're still competing for first. Um, but that, in my opinion, Gil Vicente Porto and, and uh, Vitoria Guimarães at home to Casa Pia. Can Vitoria react to last week's disappointment? Uh, that will be the question because now they are two points behind fourth place Braga. Braga will be playing on Monday night. Of course, they just made that long trip all the way out to go play Carabag, and they'll be making the short trip to Porto to take on Boa Vista. Uh, for match day 23 that will end on Monday night. So again, the big matches are all taking place on Sunday with Benfica Portimonense, Gil Vicente Porto at 1,800 hours and Rio Ave uh, Sporting are your matches uh, there. Uh, moving on to the second division. Uh, last week, we saw Santa Clara go to Penefial win 2-1. to one. We saw Maritimo beat FC Porto B 1-0. We saw Turiens beat Benfica B at home 3-1. to one. Those were good results. We saw Nacional suffer a loss. That drops them down to fourth place, losing at Ferenc in Santa Maria de Freya, 2-1. And we saw a great match between second place AVS and Lanque Vila Verdense, which is currently in 17th place. Uh, AVS going and beating Vila Verdense in Coimbra. The match played in Academica Stadium, 3-2. That was a very good match that finished things off on Monday night. As we head to match day 23, and by the way, Economico Viseo played this week. They won 3-0 in a match to finish match day 20. So right now, the standings are interesting. You got Santa Clara in first with 49 points. You got AVS in second with 46. Maritimo battles it up all the way to third with 40 points. Nacional, because of the loss, stay at 40. So the two Madeira teams, Maritimo and Nacional, tied for third place with 40 points. And Turiens, with still some hope uh, for third place, they are sitting with 36 points at fifth place. And Académico do Viseu, after winning this week, I think it was against Fedence, uh, they're getting into the picture too, Académico Viseu. Uh, they are in sixth place with 34 points. So the team from Viseu, one of the smaller big cities in Portugal, is getting a real close. Uh, basically, everything gets going on Saturday with five matches. Uh, Santa Clara is at home to Oliverence. You've got two matches on Sunday with Mafra Turiens, Bilanenses, excuse me, Mafra Meritimo, and then Bilanenses at home to Turiens. Monday, you've got a match, Passos against Ferenc, and then Tuesday, AVS will be taking on Academico Viseu. In my opinion, the best match, probably the match on Tuesday between AVS and Academico do Viseu, which is starting to climb up the, uh, the table here. AVS in second place with 46 points. In my opinion, I think those are, that is probably the most interesting uh, match that's coming up for match day 23. Also next week, we do have midweek football, both matches taking place on Thursday. First off, the match, it will start, I believe it's in the 27th minute. If you recall, two weeks ago, Porto went to the Azores to play Santa Clara. The match was unfortunately rainy. The pitch conditions were awful. 
and the match was stopped in the 27th minute. Well, they're going to finish this match, as I understand it, on Thursday, 1,600 hours, back in the Azores, so Porto making that two-hour trip to the lovely Azores. Uh, Nil-nil was the score, and this is, of course, the quarterfinals. But we will have the beginning of the semifinal matches on Thursday, and it's a big one. It's a derby, a cup derby, sporting at home to Benfica. This match will be taking place at 2045 in Alvalade. And this is also a match that's on RTP1 in Portugal. And I say that because this means that if, and I'll double confirm it uh, later once I do see the calendars be confirmed, that probably means this is going to be the RTP international match for some of you in uh, Portugal or outside of Portugal, I should say, that don't generally get to watch a Sporting Benfica match. So uh, that's good news if, in fact, that does happen. But a lot of times the RTP matches are the ones shown, of course. RNRTP International, Benfica Sporting in Alvalade next Thursday. So we've got midweek football. Oh, actually, excuse me. I'm looking um, I'm looking at this here. Uh, yes, yeah, Santa Clara is playing Porto on uh, next Thursday, correct? And next Thursday also Sporting will be at home to Benfica. So three of the big four, as well, uh, as, well as the best team right now in the second division, Santa Clara, will all be playing. Uh, next Thursday. Uh, let's get going here to women's uh, football uh, report. Uh, last week we had a big upset. One of my favorite names in women's football because it's more of an English name. Racing Power FC. I could say that all the time. Uh, upset Sporting. 1-0 Racing Power FC with the big result. Racing Power FC is by the way having a very good year in fourth place but they beat Sporting. Benfica uh, had an easy result of 6-1 against Atletico Oriente. So as a result, you got Benfica now with a 7-point lead in first place with 37 points. Sporting in second with 30. Uh, both of these results, by the way, next year, the top two, uh, get you to be playing into the Women's Champions League uh, next year. Third place is Braga with 28 and Racing Power FC in fourth place with 26. So Benfica, there's only 22 match days in women's football because there's only uh, 14, uh, 12 squads, excuse me. Uh, they've already played 14 match days and Benfica is in control right now, leading by seven points over second place uh, sporting. Continuing on here, let me talk about Liga football in the Big Four report. First off, regarding general Liga stuff, really need to give a shout out to Andre Silva at Vitoria de Guimarães. He has scored six goals in his last seven matches for a Vitoria. I believe he also scored last week. And he has been in fantastic form for Vitoria Guimarães. He's a really good striker. Wouldn't be surprised to hear about him. Uh, usually in the middle of March is when the player rumors start up again. Would not be surprised if we hear about a uh, Porto or maybe a Benfica Sporting starting to connect with uh, this player. You heard it here first. But Andre Silva of Vitoria Guimarães is having a fantastic uh, season. Uh, for a Guimarães team, as you know, in fourth place, in, uh, excuse me, fifth place, but having uh, one of their best seasons in something like 30 years, and he's been one of those reasons. And one of the players that's going to make this club some money because, unfortunately, they do have some financial issues that they, of course, uh, need to uh, resolve. Moving on to the uh, Big Four uh, report. Um, well, before I do, just a quick word on international uh, players. Uh, almost had a scare this week with Diego Jota. First off, he's named the Player of the Month in the Premier League, and then 
a day or two after winning that honor, he had a very serious injury. At one point, it looked like he might be out for the rest of the season and would miss the Euro. Uh, but it turns out the injury is bad, but not as bad that he's going to miss the rest of the season. So that is uh, good news. And I talked about this, I think, two episodes ago, that a player like Jota, who every time he scores for Liverpool in England, domestic competitions, they seem to always win. We need somebody like Jota to take care of business at the Euro for us. When you think about also having Cristiano and Bruno Fernandes and everybody else, the more players that go into the Europe that can score for us, the better we're going to be as a team. And we got these matches coming up next month with uh, Sweden and Slovenia to get us ready for Euro. Uh, he will not be available for those, but you want him available in June because we just we need. There's a lot of great players: Bernardo Silva, across Cristiano, but you, you know what I'm talking about Bruno Fernandes. I think we need somebody else. You know, if I go to a European fan and I say, name me the three best scorers in Portugal, chances are they're going to say Cristiano. Chances are they're going to say Bernardo Silva. Chances are they're going to say Bruno Fernandes. Um, things like that. They may not necessarily put Jota right away in the list, and that's even more reason for why we would want him to score because you need other weapons besides the ones that people already know about it. Jota, we'd love to see him step on the stage this summer, and hopefully he will come back 100% uh, ready uh, to uh, play. Uh, I told you about Galeno this week. Galeno's a great story because, of course, he came from Braga. There have been reports that Conceição never wanted Galeno, but I think Galeno has shown that he has been a great deal for Porto, uh, scoring maybe one of the biggest goals of his career. And again, if you're a Porto fan, you have to be breathing a sigh of relief because basically you just saw your club um, take care of business and uh, win a very important match against the Premier League Arsenal. Uh, great, great for Portuguese football. Sporting, Goya Koresh, 29 goals now this season. He could do no wrong. Uh, again, heading on his way, I believe, this summer for a big deal. I'm predicting 70 to 80 million. Uh, Benfica, of course, we saw the story with João Neves. His mom passed away. Antonio Silva, I believe it was his grandfather, also had passed away in the past week. Uh, tough times. But João loves football. He loves soccer. He made the trip with the team. He played. And it was just a very... Uh, a lot of, lot of Benfica Nation fans really showed their warmth and their love for him. And I think that if there's ever a time you need it is right now. But João Neves continues uh, to make fans everywhere he uh, goes. Uh, David Neres with a big week this past weekend against Vizela. Two goals and two assists. His first big performance is coming back from that uh, serious injury. Uh, it's always good to see a player like that come back from injury. Um, get a lot of credit to the physio staff for getting him uh, ready. Braga, um, again, blew it in the first leg. Uh, I think that the, their worst enemy is Braga itself sometimes, especially the way they go to sporting and lose these matches 5-0. Um, you just, uh, you always expect better from Braga, and I think that's the expectations people have of this very good club. But right now, remember how I always say to you, eh, fourth place Braga. Well, eh, it's still fourth place Braga, and that's the way they seem to play. Uh, last year, a lot of credit to them to play, get into the Champions League, but eh, they're back to being fourth place Braga, and I'm sorry to have to say it that way, but that is just the honest truth. Moving on here, let me uh, talk about my favorite club in Portugal, Atletico de Jaracruz. But before I do, a reminder again, my email address to email me again, any complaints, uh, things you like or don't like, and any suggestions for my podcast, 
PeaceSoccerCOM at gmail.com. PeaceSoccerCOM at gmail.com. I, I I've said in the past that once people find out, they hear the word soccer. Apparently, people think that I don't know what I'm talking about. But again, I like to think I do, doing this for over 25 years. So hit me up with any of your questions. Um, and I'll be doing that here in a minute. But let me first off talk about my favorite club in Portugal. Uh, again, if you're brand new, and I have brand new listeners every week. I know I picked up a, a few of them from uh, YouTube. Um, my favorite club is from my parents' hometown in Arcos do Valvejo, up in Minho in northern uh, Portugal, north of Braga. Um, and uh, my dream is to see them climb the ladder of Portuguese football. They have been stuck in the fifth tier for a few years now, even though they've managed to finish top with another club. They've gone to a playoff and they've lost twice. Last year they had a five-point lead going into January and they lost it. And before you know it, they were five points behind. This year, first place again. At one point we had a seven-point lead, but now it is down to three. But I suppose the good news is that it didn't get any worse than that. So maybe they have uh, stuffed the wound. Maybe they covered the whole... They found out the problem, and right now, Atletico dos Arcos, my club in the fifth tier, the Viano do Castelo region, my dream is to see them get up to maybe the second division. I don't know if they have the resources to go that much further. Look at Vila Verdance and the problems they're having. I wouldn't want them to go through, but you know what? I'd be happy with a regular appearance in the third division. But right now, Atletico dos Arcos sits in first place with 54 points. Munson sits in second with 51, and Cardinho Lins sits in third place with 47 points. Top two teams go to the Taça de Portugal, so right now we have a seven-point advantage over third place uh, to do that. But most importantly, we have a three-point lead on Munson. That is the very important thing here for me uh, to discuss. Uh, this weekend, we're going to be playing one of the teams right now in the relegation zone, UD Lenizes. Uh, we'll be playing them. Uh, let's see, is that the home game this week or is that the uh, road game? Oh, that's uh, that we go to their place. And Munson will also be traveling this weekend. They'll be going to a beautiful town in Minu called uh, Milga, Milgasu. They have a stadium there that a lot of, not necessarily the big clubs, but a lot of the smaller clubs, I think Rio Ave has been there, Vizela. Uh, beautiful little stadium, perfect for under-21 matches. My Atletico de Jaracos many years ago when they made it to... The round of 16 of the Portuguese club played in match there against Nacional that, believe it or not, was on Sport TV. I still can't believe it, but that was about 13, 14 years ago, but it feels like five years ago. But this weekend, Atletico dos Arcos with a road match at 15th place in relegation, UD Leninensis, Atletico at Munson is going to be making a trip to play Milgesent, who is only in 10th place. Uh, basically, 30 match days. We are up to eight of them are left, and we only have a three-point lead. So the race is very tight. Only one team, one team gets promoted to the fourth division, and hopefully that will be us this year. But again, we dropped four points because of back-to-back -back draws. We've stopped the wound. We've healed it, and at least we're back to regularly winning, and I think that's a very, very good piece of news so far. Let me end it here with the mailbag. And my first question is from Paulo Sintra from Lisboa. And he has a question about TV. Um, Hello, João. Really enjoy listening to your podcast every week and getting the perspective of people from outside of Portugal. Uh, you talk a lot about TV and how you have difficulties watching the matches outside of Portugal. We also have problems here. A lot of people don't know. 
But in order for us to watch Liga matches, we must subscribe to pay TV, Sport TV, or BTV. Uh, no Liga matches are shown on regular TV. We sometimes do get European football and Taça da Liga and Taça de Portugal, of course. Um, but we don't. My question is, is, can you tell me more about RTP International? I don't know much about it. Yeah, so I've had RTP. I pay for it. I pay for it at my parents' apartment. And uh, it's basically the channel that when I turn on my TV, it goes straight to uh, in my cable system channel uh, 1577. And RTP, I don't think you get it in Portugal unless you get it online. But it's basically the channel for us abroad. Um, every channel has it. I know Rai of Italy has it. Uh, I know my cable system has it from Japan, from China, and all that. Um, but I guess your question is, is you know, how much football do we watch and what's available? RTP shows one Liga match per week. So yeah, if we were in Portugal, we wouldn't see that match because no Liga matches are shown. You got to pay for that on the pay channels. But here in the U.S., we're fortunate. And not only RTP International, but here in the States, we also watch it via Gold TV. Um, those are the ways. I won't talk about anything else. But uh, a lot of people I know, especially the older generation, I know watch a lot of the games. They don't like the fact that it's always the big three. A lot of people sometimes want to see a game in Anjo or Braga like my father. Um, but uh, they only show big three games. Uh, once they showed Braga, when the other big three, but I don't remember the reason, weren't able uh, to be shown. Um, next question. I only have a first name, Daniel from Connecticut. Uh, can you continue to update us? Uh, do you have any... Rumors or connections to let us know, will any Portuguese teams be coming to North America next summer or traveling anywhere else? Thank you. Enjoy your podcast from Connecticut. Um, I don't have any information. Usually you hear about that, the rumors in like uh, May. Uh, what happens a lot of times with Portuguese clubs, they haven't done it definitely not since COVID and things have been normal, is a lot of people, um, basically the clubs will come Usually they'll come in either June or they'll come in uh, late July, like uh, the one year where we had Benfica Fiorentina and Sporting Liverpool. The, that match was played at uh, Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. I've not heard of anything. Portuguese clubs lately haven't been coming to the States. A lot of There's been a mindset of change of staying in the Algarve because there's a lot of English teams that come down there, so you still get good competition. Um, Probably a lot of the promoters in the U.S. are not spending as much money on hotels for these clubs. Um, I'm, I've heard stories. I remember one year Benfica came and they put the Benfica up at the Holiday Inn in Sequoias when they came to play a match against Roma. And I heard the rumor that like Roma stayed at like the you know a very nice hotel, the Marriott or the Hilton. I, this is the rumor I've heard, but I think it is true. So maybe the Portuguese clubs don't want to come if they're not going to get first-rate accommodations. I don't know, um, but I do know that Portuguese clubs haven't been coming. I don't have any information, but it goes without saying, man. If I find out, you know I'm going to be saying it on this uh, podcast. Anyway, folks, I'm going to wrap up episode 211 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. As I always say, and I really mean it, please uh, take care of your families, take care of yourself, watch your health, and I'll talk to you soon, everybody. Ciao.